Welcome to Haven Today at Christmas time. For decades now, two men have ruled the investing world, Warren Buffett and his business partner, Charlie Munger. At Berkshire Hathaway, they built a $780 billion business and became billionaires themselves. Earlier this week, Charlie Munger passed away at 99 years of age, a lifetime of business achievements few can rival. Buffett credits him for his own success, saying that Munger was the architect, while he only played the role of the general contractor in their investing strategy. Reportedly, Munger's fortune is now an estate in excess of $2.6 billion. It brings up an interesting question to ponder. Whether you have much or whether you have little, how much is it worth to you the day after you die? And the answer, of course, is nothing. In the words of Job, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. There is only one kind of wealth that endures into eternity, which belongs only to those who are in Christ. I'm Charles Morris, and can you believe it? It's December 1st, and we're wrapping up a special series called Thy Kingdom Come. And over the last few weeks, we've been following the great story of Jesus found in the Old Testament. From Adam to Abraham, Moses to Rahab, David to Isaiah, God's kingdom was being revealed more and more through the Old Testament. And it all hinged on the promised Messiah, the King of Kings, who would come to deliver his people. But how would God bring this about? Which king in the line of David would it be? Well, it's my hope that by the end of our time together today, these questions will be answered as we turn to the final book in the Old Testament, Malachi, which is filled with messianic promises. And of course, they all point to Jesus. And that's one of the things I really like about the new Kingdom of God Bible storybooks. They point to this great Messiah. 30 stories from the Old Testament, 15 from the new. What I wanted to do was to unpack this, this theme, this idea of the Kingdom of God in a seamless way from Genesis to Revelation so that people could see and children could see the big story of the Bible. And some other storybooks have done that in a great way, showing how the Old Testament connects to the New Testament, but I wanted to do it in a more um, specific way, a way that's faithful to Scripture, that focuses on how various stories point to the Messiah, to the promised Savior who would come, to this promised King, and ultimately how that ties all the way through to Revelation when Jesus returns and reigns in victory. Really, I believe the Kingdom of God is the central theme of Scripture, that it is the Gospel, if I could say that, the, the good news that Jesus is announcing is the kingdom of God. As he says, his first words in the book of Mark, I believe, are repent, for the kingdom of God is near. And that became the central theme of his teaching, even through the Gospels, it says, I have come for this very purpose, to proclaim the kingdom of God. That's the author of the Kingdom of God Bible Storybooks, Tyler Van Haltren. We'll hear him read from the final chapter of his Old Testament book about Israel's return to their land out of exile and how the Lord raised up a few final prophets like Malachi. This is another thing I so appreciate about Tyler's series. He dives into scripture that other children's books avoid. And that gives a unique depth that I know you and the children in your life are going to appreciate. So this Christmas, give the gift of biblical knowledge that points to Jesus with the two-volume set of the Kingdom of God. Both Old Testament and New Testament books are hardback, cloth-covered, with beautiful illustrations, but even more, Tyler has a recap with questions after each chapter to help start spiritual conversations. So come to our website after the program, haventoday.org. 
haventoday.org. Take a look at those illustrations there, then make your gift. Or call us after the program at 865-HAVEN, 865-HAVEN. And if you just want the New Testament book, we have that for your gift as well. And if you're looking for a Christmas gift for just an adult, we still have the Johnny Cash documentary that includes his conversion to Christ on DVD, and we're also sending you a digital download if you don't have a DVD player. It's a perfect gift for a Christian who'd like to know more about Johnny's faith. And even more, this would make a great Christmas gift for someone you'd like to share the gospel with. Now let's open the program with Sovereign Grace, the First Noel.
the traditional tune, but with lyrics that are more biblically rich, the first Noel. Here on this Haven Today, I'm Charles Morris, and a program called Thy Kingdom Come. Over the last two weeks, on our weekday program, we've traced the arc of the Old Testament storyline. We started with God's promise to Abraham in Genesis. This was the promise that Abraham's descendants would become a great nation, that kings would come from him. Hold on to that thought. And that all the nations of the world would be blessed through him. It's one of the most important moments in all the Bible, and for that matter, all of history. Another big moment happened in Second Samuel chapter 7. At this point, hundreds of years later, there was a king on the throne of Israel. We know him as King David. He wanted to build a house for the Lord, but God said no. And instead, God told David he would build him another kind of house. Listen to God's unexpected, mind-boggling history-altering covenant with David. It's there in 2 Samuel 7. I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And so from that moment on, all of Israel's hopes hinged on this promised king and his forever kingdom. But how would God bring this about? Which king in the line of David would it be? The vast majority of the kings who ruled in Jerusalem after David drifted away from the Lord, many were wicked, nothing like the promised king who would establish his throne forever. A great amount of time passed. I mean a lot of time. Think about how much time separates us today from, say, the American Revolution, and then double that. By the time the final book of the Old Testament was written, more than 500 years had passed since God had made this promise to David. In that span of time, a civil war had split the kingdom. Assyria then came and conquered the north. Babylon conquered the south and carried its people into exile. And at this point, I'm going to let my friend Tyler Van Haltren pick up the story, set the scene for today's message. He's reading from his Kingdom of God Bible storybook written to help children and adults see the great storyline of the Bible. Chapter 30, The King Will Return Though some of God's people had returned to the Promised Land, many were still scattered throughout the nations, waiting for the day when they could return to Jerusalem. Nehemiah lived in the land of Persia and served as a cupbearer for Artaxerxes, Persia's king. One day, Nehemiah heard that Jerusalem's walls were still broken down, Without these walls, the Israelites would feel in danger from the nations around them. Nehemiah wept and prayed to God, Remember your promise that if we return to you, you would return and redeem your people. God answered Nehemiah's prayer, and King Artaxerxes sent Nehemiah back to Jerusalem to lead his people to rebuild the walls. People from the nations around them tried to stop the Israelites from rebuilding their temple and its walls. But God allowed his people to prosper in their work, and in time, everything was restored. After so many years of sorrow and shame and exile, the people of Israel rejoiced and held a great celebration. They feasted and remembered all of God's faithfulness to them. God had turned their sorrow into joy. A priest named Ezra read the law to everyone in Jerusalem. He reminded them of how to love God and love their neighbors. God's people renewed their covenant with God and promised to follow him for all of their days. They said, 
we will not neglect the house of our God. Sadly, even after all those years of exile, Israel's heart hadn't changed. Though God had shown so much kindness to them, they continued to disobey God's commands and break God's covenant. They had been delivered from exile, but they needed a greater deliverance. Jerusalem was restored, but God's people needed to be restored to God. They needed God's promised Savior to come, to free them from sin and make a new covenant with them. Tyler Van Holtren, reading from his two-volume set of the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook, which, by the way, we still have for your minimum gift to Haven, a wonderful Christmas gift for a child in your life to help them see the King of Kings throughout all the Bible. I think Tyler nailed it. What was the state of God's people after their return? He said it was Israel's heart had not changed. They needed a greater deliverance. They needed God's promised Savior to come. And this is where Malachi, the final book of the Old Testament, begins. It's a short book, only four chapters. The name Malachi means my messenger, which is really what this book is about. Malachi points to God's messenger yet to come and it tees us up for the birth of the Messiah. Like so many of the Old Testament prophets, this book is a confrontation between God and Israel. God had many strong words, but hear what God said first. Given the context, it's pretty startling. I have loved you, says the Lord. Hear that? Most conflicts don't start that way. Was God angry? Yes, but his love was unchanging. I have loved you says the Lord. But you ask, how have you loved us? That was Israel's response. How have you loved us? It doesn't quite come through in the English, but there's a lot of baggage in those words. It's an accusation thrown back at the Lord. Their response was an emotional knee-jerk. You can almost hear them saying, yeah, right, under their breaths. But I think this is something we can relate to at some level or another. It's the response of a person in pain who feels that God is distant or not keeping his promises. Don't we all struggle sometimes to reconcile the pain in our lives with the goodness of God? So today, for someone who's going through a divorce, or someone who has lost a loved one, for someone battling loneliness or unemployment or illness or a thousand other types of suffering, is it hard for you to believe that God really loves you? when everything around you is so much less, so much worse than you had hoped and prayed for. That's a disappointment the Bible speaks to right here in Malachi. But before God gives us a word of hope, Israel needed to hear the truth about themselves. He confronted two groups, first the Levites, Israel's priests, the pastors of that day. And God's condemnation was deserved. He says, you bring injured, lame, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices. Should I accept them from your hands? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Two things we see here. First, God's reason for indignation? He says, my name is to be feared among the nations. God's heart was not just for Israel, but for the rest of the world as well. Israel was to be a light to the nations, but instead had become just as dark as the rest. And second, in light of the cross of Christ, 
We can look back now and see in Malachi the contrast between the blemished sacrifices of the Levites and the unblemished sacrifice God would one day provide. Israel's priests were offering their worst, yet God was going to offer his best. The great high priest would also become the unblemished lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What a contrast we can see on this side of the cross looking back. That was the first group. But then, second, God confronted the tribe of Judah. God spoke to them as a whole. The tribe of Levi were the priests, but Judah was the tribe of kings. God told them, Judah has desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying women who worship a foreign god. You see, the people of Judah were intermarrying with unbelievers, which was forbidden. Their hearts were led astray. And in this, the kings of Israel had led by their example, a poor example. Think back to the first king after David, his son Solomon. This was the reason Solomon's heart strayed from the Lord. He disobeyed God, and he married women who worshipped other gods, and eventually so did he. But once again, just as Christ is the true and better high priest and sacrifice, Jesus is also the true and better king and husband. Throughout the Bible, God portrays his covenant relationship with his people through the imagery of marriage. And in the New Testament, Paul tells us that marriage itself reveals the mysterious, beautiful relationship between Christ and his church. So in Malachi, the message is clear. Israel's priests and also her kings had failed. But of course they failed. That was inevitable. God's plan required a better priest and a better king. And here is where Malachi forecasts the coming king. Malachi 3, verse 1, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you were seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. Two messengers referenced here. The first prepares the way for the second. Ancient kings would often send a messenger ahead of them to make sure everything was ready to clear the way, to make sure the people were paying attention for the king's arrival. If you have a Bible, look at Malachi. Flip a couple of more pages, and God's word reveals the identity of the first messenger. John the Baptist understood his role. He was preparing the way for the second messenger, who Malachi called the messenger of the covenant. And so this message of anticipation, of waiting for God to keep his promises, it's a message of hope that points us to the birth of Christ, the messenger who would make a new covenant and seal it with his blood, the perfect priest, the faithful king. And it is a reminder to all who are weary, all who are suffering, all who have lost hope that God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The messenger of the covenant has come, and in Christ, God has come near. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth,
with Sean Carter and I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day on A Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris here at the beginning of December and I wonder if you remember what you gave the children in your life last year for Christmas. I venture to say that if you can't recall, they probably can't either. But what if you could give them something that would look just amazing sitting on your coffee table or prominent in a bookshelf that would grab their attention throughout all the year. Well, that's exactly what Tyler Van Haltren did with his Kingdom of God Bible storybooks. Hardback, cloth-covered books, gold foil stamping on the cover, they're a sight to see. One for the Old, one for the New Testaments. Both come in a handsome and protective slipcase. But along with their physical quality, Every story in these books, a total of 45, will help you and the children in your life better understand God's kingdom and point you to Jesus. If you'd like us to send the Kingdom of God box set to someone in time for Christmas, just send us their address along with a little note, and we can send it directly to them at no extra cost to you. Come to our website right now. Look at the samples we have from the books. Make your minimum gift. Make it at Haven today. Haventoday.org. And remember, we're including the digital audio storybook that you can download and listen to with the kids in your life at no extra cost. If you don't want to go online, you can call us right now at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. And if you just want the New Testament volume of the Kingdom of God, we have that for your gift as well. And one last note as we have to go, we still have the Johnny Cash documentary about his conversion to Christ on DVD. And even if you don't have a DVD player, give the disc to somebody 
but watch the free digital download copy that we're including a link to. Make a gift. Get one for yourself. Make another gift and send it to someone for Christmas. It's a helpful gospel tool to point others to Christ. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you for joining me. Won't you come back again next time when again together we'll share the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Have you ever had a crazy, busy week? One where the days go by quickly and you wonder, where did the time all go? This is especially true in the holiday season, but let's take a quick moment to remember the reason for the season. 2,000 years ago, a young girl named Mary awaited the first Christmas ever. She was promised the coming of the Messiah through her womb. And in Luke 1, she sang a beautiful song beginning with, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. I know you're busy this month. That's okay. But let me encourage you. Take time to glorify the Lord and to rejoice. Jesus is the greatest gift we've been given. Grow in your walk with Christ. Visit GetAnchor.com.